Welcome today. Welcome. Everybody smile. Some of you look a little intense. Thank you. Thank you. I want us to do something. I think there are two very important groups of people in our service tonight. First is our guest. You're very important people. We're honored that you're here. But we have another group of people that make this happen every week. That is all of our volunteers from our tech team to our teachers, our guest services, all sorts of people. Can we just applaud them and thank them for their effort? Thank you, guys. At all of our campuses, we want to welcome you from Highlands Ranch to Castle Rock and soon to be Lakewood. It'll be up running here soon. Great things are happening over there. Evan, we can't be more excited. It's going to be awesome. If you're here on live stream or eventually podcast, we thank you for joining us today for this message. Merry Christmas. Um, will you work with me tonight? We're going to have a little fun, be a little crazy. Anybody need a little crazy in your life right now? No. Yeah, you've been shopping. I know where you've been. Probably by now you're feeling the full force of Christmas. You're into it, right? We're going to have a little fun today. We're going to do a little thing I call the chaotic sit-down Christmas game. So at all of our campuses here at Lone Tree, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, I want you to do something. I want you to all stand up. Okay? Just stand up. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. So Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, if you hear this question, you're all standing by now, I hope. You sit down if you can answer yes to this question. This is kind of like survival of the fittest, okay? So let's see how this works out. All right. Sit down. If you have decorated more than one Christmas tree. In our lifetime? No, just this year. These are all this, this, just this year. Some of you Scrooges already, I'm telling you. Sit down if you have more shopping to do. Got a lot of you there. Can't tell what it looks like, Castle Rock or Highlands Ranch, but here we lost a lot of people. <laughs> Sit down if you have more parties to attend. Sit down if you've spent your budget or more. <laughs> Some of you already sat down with the shopping, I knew. <laughs> Sit down if you've watched a Christmas movie this year. <laughs> Sit down if you've listened to more than five hours of Christmas music. Sit down if you've listened to any Kenny G or Barry Manilow. (laughs) All right, we're going to give these people a hand. Now, I don't know how to classify them. Let's give them a hand. I don't know if they're at the campuses or here. They're honorary Scrooges. I'm not sure. Or just some extraordinary, not normal Christmas people. And uh, Ben was here earlier. I thought, man, wouldn't it have been a great gift to give them an ugly Christmas sweater? That, that would have been fitting. We're in the middle of Christmas. It's crazy. Everybody knows that. Right now, they're just everywhere you go, it's crowded. Every time you turn around, people are bumping you. So we're going to talk about our third message in this series, Vintage Christmas. We're going to talk about vintage. Pastor Marcus did a great job last year, uh, week, last year, it feels like it, last week underlining the idea of, of, of the quality and the essence of connection. So we're going to get a little different today with that, but he left a great foundation for us. Years gone by, a vintage Christmas would represent something different. I don't know if this means anything, but I thought it was interesting. When we were talking about all of the staging and the graphic arts and things like that, as I would talk to our team, the ladies would always think of a Victorian time when I said vintage. 
all the guys would think of the 50s. Does that ring true here too? Isn't that interesting? Now, I'd like to tell you that means something. It means absolutely nothing. I just thought it was interesting. But it wasn't always the way it is today that we experience Christmas. In years gone by, before the marketing magic, before all of the media that drives that, Christmas was different. So I want to give you a little history here just for a moment. It's actually comical in some ways. But I want to talk to you about what it was like in the early 1900s Christmas of vintage Christmas. How many got a newspaper stack the day after Thanksgiving that was about five inches tall? How many of you went through all those? It's okay, admit it, it's fine. Some of you, yeah, should I raise my hand? No, no, yes, it's okay. Back in the early 1900s, a local newspaper would run two or three small ads under holiday notions. And it was usually an item of a toy or a clothing item. If adults, or excuse me, most gift giving was reserved for small children in the form of stockings filled with handmade items or toys and treats. Most gift giving was reserved for small children in the form of, okay, I just went through that. I better get glasses or we're going to be here a while. If I keep repeating these, this message is going to be twice as long. So let me, let me we were just talking about this, Bob. If adults exchange gifts, it would be a single gift, like a pipe, a book, or a handkerchief. Let me just ask the guys here, would that fly with your wife this year? It was a different time, wasn't it? Honey, here's a hanky. Merry Christmas. She would take that pipe. I won't go. What, and this is from study. This isn't my just kind of guessing. This is actually from some research I did about a vintage Christmas. What made it special and a favorite holiday for both kids and adults was it was a time of celebration and getting together with family for an extended period of time. I talked to many of you earlier walking on the way in and you were thinking, man, if I can just get through one day with my family. Back then it was different. Because of travel, the way travel was back then, family would come and stay for several days or more. Dinners, games, dancing, storytelling, and special church services were the highlights of Christmas season. We here finished Christmas on the 25th, and all of you know, man, by the evening of the 25th, you are just zonked, right? And you're so glad Christmas is over. Well, back then, actually, Christmas started on the 25th. It's where we get the song, 12 Days of Christmas. And they literally had celebrations from the 25th for several days. This is funny. I found an article in Good Housekeeping. I didn't even know Good Housekeeping was back in the 1900s. But I found this article uh, in 1895, and they were talking about the Christmas celebration. Now, even the language is different, but you'll like this. They said, each Christmas, we'd converge on a long, wide, cheerful farmhouse kitchen. And play games like Wade the Swamp, Pick Grapes, and Hiss Cat. How many of your kids would buy that on a video game? Today, Call of Duty, Mortal Kombat, Hiss Cats. I'm sure your kids are going to go for that. The article continues, sometimes we danced 
with fiddlers perched high on kitchen tables. We'd swing our partners as partners are not often swung, sometimes lifting them quite off their feet. We danced to the good old tunes of Dan Tucker and Money Musk and kept it up till broad daylight. Shocking. Unbelievable. You're reading that with me or hearing that and you're thinking, times have changed, haven't they? No, some of you do this? I, I, some of you are like, what's wrong with Dan Tucker? It's a great band. No, wrong band. Wrong era. Just let me tell you. Here's what Christmas has become. I'm not telling you you haven't read in the news. Shooting at the mall or shootings, pepper spray, people being trampled. That's just my house alone. <laughs> it's become high expectations, anxiety, depression, suicide. That's what Christmas has become. Somewhere along the line, I think we got off track. And I'm not here to change culture. The Lord knows, you know, that we cannot go back. And that is not the intention of this message. But I want to awaken you to some thoughts tonight, today, about what this means in a vintage Christmas. It wasn't meant to be this way. A long time ago, if we go back to the first Christmas... There's some truth I'd like to share from that story. In your notes, let's start with Luke chapter 2 and a few verses there. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news. That will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Matthew, his account takes a little different look. And I want to just share a few verses there. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. I have two points that I want to make today. The first is simple. Christmas was simple. I want to pare down these verses in the Christmas story to just four simple events that we've placed on your notes. Here it is. The wealthy and the working folk. The first Christmas wasn't exclusive. We sing carols. We talk about the Christmas story. We see the lowly shepherds out in the field. But like them, there was a group of men... Some people who had traveled from Persia of great wealth and great means. Some people say they were astrologers. Some people say they were uh, scholars. Whatever they were, they were wise, wealthy men who had the means to travel a long ways. In the middle of the first Christmas, there was all of us there. The working folk, the wealthy folk. The second thing is that a word and a light was going to point the way. 
God made sure that the message was heard and seen by these people. The third thing is they responded by going to Christ. There was an action on their part. There was a response on their part that they went to Christ. And the last, they came to worship. If you're tired and ready to turn off right now, this is an okay point. Just don't snore. But if you can get those four things about Christmas, it's made simple. It is for all of us. It is that God took on himself the responsibility of making known the message of Christ. It is that the people responded and went to that truth. And it is there they found the Christ child and worshipped. You cannot choose to slow down and stop this chaotic Christmas culture. You cannot. But you can choose what you do with it as an individual. Pastor Dan, in our discussion about this, had a great thought. He said, it's called reordering our priorities. I'm not here with a practical message in the sense of, I'm going to give you all these one through tens to do this. I want you to take time to figure that out. And I think it's important that you look at what that looks like. More than all the effort we put into getting the right present, going to the right party, or having the right party, or being with the right person. More than any of those, more than any of those, here it is. God is in our Christmas today. Now, some people may not see Him. Some people may not be aware, but God is in our Christmas. The light is there. The Word is there. You just have to have your head up out of the crowd and look for it. Here's the interesting point of the first Christmas. How simple it really was. The shepherds were just doing a job. They were at work when the word came. There were people traveling to follow the star. I love the fact that they were just living life. And we know this, that the town that they went for their census and their taxes was filled with people. Probably had problem parking their chariots like you do at the mall. Finding a place to stay was difficult. And in the middle of working, traveling, and chaos, Jesus still came. And he still made his message real. And that is true today, no matter what your life is like in this Christmas chaos. Here was his message. Peace on earth. Good news to all people. For on this day in the city of David, a Savior has been born. Interesting enough, as I was spending time reading about the Christmas story, there's a person that we probably don't often talk about, but he tells us a lot in the Christmas story. His name was Herod. He didn't see. But he offers us this perspective. He wasn't aware. He didn't get the word. He didn't hear about the star. Someone told him. And so he asked his scholars to do a little research, and they found out in Scripture the story of the prophecies of Jesus Christ. And after he found out, he was fearful, he was anxious, he was worried about his life and what it meant to him. If you follow the story, he took drastic, terrible measures to preserve his kingdom. But he didn't see it. He didn't know it. He didn't understand it. 
Sometimes, listen, sometimes in our Christmas experience, we are more like Herod than we think. Sometimes our Christmas becomes something that we are in the midst of, but we don't see and understand around us what God is doing. Sometimes that could be called religion and not a spiritual experience. My uh, favorite movie, I say it every year, It's a Wonderful Life, James Stewart, amazing actor. In the movie, there's an important turning point where Clarence Oddbody, Angel Second Class, takes George Bailey to the graveyard, the cemetery. And he brings him up to a gravestone. And he brushes the snow away. And he says to George Bailey, he said, George, your brother died because you weren't living to save him. And he washed the snow away with his hand and he showed the date of his birth, a dash and the date of his death. And at that moment, George Bailey realizes how great the life that he had and wants it back. There's so much theology there. I don't want to get into that. I love that story, but I'm not here to talk about George Bailey. But I want to say this. Our life, at the end of it, will be recorded on a tombstone or a grave marker somewhere. The date that you were born, the dash, and the date that you die. Someone once said that the dash is the most important part of that stone. The dash represents the life that you lived in between the day that you were first put on this earth and the day that your body was taken off this earth. And I think there's some merit to that. Sometimes in looking at that, we say that the dash is about the speed of our life. And that's what counts the most. Can I say today, what do you do between those dates? For too many in the dash, you might miss the message of Christmas. And without realizing it and stopping this Christmas season, you may not hear the word, you may not see the light. The Bible tells us to be still and know God. The world can be rushing around you and you in the middle of that rush and chaos can stop and know God. Christmas is about God wanting us to know Him. Simple. But for that to happen, you have to stop and take a moment and see His Word and see His light. I have one more point. Treasured. Treasured. In Matthew... The scripture teaches us don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. Where thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. What is your Christmas treasure? The perfect gift that the TV commercial tells us we must have to be loved by someone I want to say a couple things here, and please understand my heart here. I get in trouble every Christmas. I offend somebody. A few years ago, I said something about Sam, and somebody got mad. And they misconstrued everything I said. So I'm going to try to say this simply and clearly, okay? I love Santa, (laughs) okay? Just want to get that off the table. It is not a terrible thing to treasure the good things of our Christmas celebration. It's okay to want to have a good Christmas. Traditions and memories, wanting to do special things and share moments with those you love, 
those are all born out of the Christ of Christmas. But if Christmas is just reduced to something sentimental and nostalgic, if it's just our efforts to bring about human love, peace, and joy to the earth, if that's as deep as it goes, is that really the true meaning of Christmas? Is that all it is? If so, every one of us ought to be sad to leave here if that's what Christmas is just about. Can it be that temporary? The musical artists always write these great songs about in this time of Christmas, let's have peace on earth. Let there be no war. Let there be no evil. And year after year, we can't maintain that. But we keep singing and hoping that. We keep trying to have in our Christmas love. We keep trying to have in our Christmas joy. We keep trying to have in our Christmas peace. And the expectation is that we will get that because it's Christmas season. Christmas is more than being just nice people, giving people and caring people. Our world, both of us, all of us here long for something more, deep down. Here's what I want you to get. We don't find love, peace, and joy in Christmas. We find it in Christ. We find it in Christ. We keep as a race of people coming up disappointed in Christmas because we expect Christmas to do what only Christ can do. I woke up a few <clears throat> weeks ago preparing for this, and a thought occurred to me. And it was really something just, I thought, wow, speak to my heart, God, because this is really something that's valuable to understand. Today, I get the opportunity to give you an invitation, a choice, to what kind of Christmas you can have. Will it be treasured or temporary? And here's the thought that I just couldn't walk away from, the idea of this. You can have a moment of peace. You can have a moment of joy. You can have a moment of love. As we define Christmas in our world or, or you can have lasting love, lasting joy, lasting peace. And the only difference is your expectation of Christmas and your relationship in Christ. That turns the whole issue right there. How do we do that? Well, I'm not one to want to work at giving you lists because that's more religion than relationship. I could tell you a lot of ideas that God spoke to my heart about, and I'll share those offline with some of you if you want that, but I don't want to create this list, but I want to create some thought on what kinds of things, and you formulate, and I've given you room on your notes to take and to write out in spaces below. Maybe God speaks to your heart as you sit here today. How do you find lasting love, joy, and peace? It starts with Christ. And in Christ, the fruit of that comes through, first of all, relationship. The message of Christmas is Emmanuel. Most of you know what Emmanuel means. It means God with us. Can you realize how amazing that thought is? God with us. 
I was thinking today, as I was driving here, how amazing is that sacrifice on the part of God to send His Son to a world that would reject Him and crucify Him and despise Him. There's no words I could put it into to explain what that is like, but imagine the greatest treasure of your life, however you would define that. Maybe your house or... Imagine giving that up to some people who just trash your life and disrespect your gift. And in the middle of that, God gave his most precious gift knowing that would happen. Can you imagine the kind of love that that would take? I don't know about you, but every now and then in my Christmases of past, I give something to maybe one of my kids or my wife, and they kind of look at it like, oh, nice. You all know what nice means, don't you? Well, I really wanted, that's what it means. And you did your best and you thought out of love, you give that, and maybe you sacrifice to make it and you give it and you get nice. I think that's what we get with Jesus. Our world says nice. Great philosopher, great teacher, great religious leader, nice. And all along, the Father who gave the most precious thing to suffer. That's amazing love. Emmanuel, God with us. For God, it is about relationship. It is about Him being with us. If you listen to Christmas songs, there's a lot of songs about wanting to be with family and people and, and, and friends at Christmas time. Okay? I'll be home for Christmas. Okay? Great song. All right? I heard one the other day, and this again is not spiritual in any way, but I heard a song the other day that has the most beautiful melody, but it's the weirdest lyrics of any Christmas song I've ever heard. Seriously, it was done in the 80s. Done by kind of a 70s, 80 guy. All right. Um, What's his name? I can't remember it. Okay. But he says in the song, celebrate me home. Okay, on the top that sounds pretty cool. But if you listen to his lyrics, I'm telling you, he was was writing some interesting music under the influence of something. Okay, a little too much spiked eggnog, I think. Now, I'm not critical of that person, but it's the weirdest song about relatives and being together. But God is about us being. Somebody said to me last week, they came up and they gave me a note. I don't know if they're in the service. I don't know if you're here. They gave me this note. And it's really interesting in a simple thought. They said, God did not make human doings. He made human beings. And I thought, that's very profound. Because for us, so much of our Christmas is wrapped up in the doing. And if we just slow down and be with God, we have a lasting love, peace, and joy. In that relationship, they're serving one another. Jesus clearly communicated that he didn't come to serve himself, but to serve And his act of love in coming as a baby and then later dying on a cross was an amazing act of service. The fruit of Christ is giving. Giving. It sets the tone for our Christmas. We give because Christ gave. For God so loved the only world that he what? He gave. Amazing. He gave. And as I mentioned before, it was the best gift. But it was a gift of sacrifice, and it was a gift for our benefit. Be honest with me. How many of you have given a gift because of what you'd get out of that? Nobody? Am I the only idiot here? (laughs) Seriously. Come on, one of the best scenes in in, uh, Christmas Vacation is where he goes into his boss. 
There's this huge long table, and he brings in this gift. He comes humbly with joy to bring this gift to his boss to merit favor, as all the other employees did. And his boss kind of just shoes him and say, I put it there with the rest of them. And there's this whole table full of gifts. And often in our life, in our past, maybe we gave a gift for the wrong reason. Have you ever been caught with this one? You get, you get, you get a gift by, from somebody that you didn't expect to give a gift to. You know, the Christmas gift squeeze. You know, what do I do? You run to Walmart, what you do. You know, those little last-minute gift ideas come in handy. Because we all, what, feel bad because someone gave us something and we didn't give them anything. And honestly, if you break it down, that's probably not the right reason to give. And truthfully, if someone gives you a gift and it's out of their heart and they wanted to bless you with that, you should feel no obligation to respond to that, but to appropriately thank them and express your appreciation for their love and kindness. I just took Walmart's business down by half right there. (laughs) Does this make sense? I, I, I know in some ways this is comical, but there's so much about our Christmas gift giving that is frustrating because we're always trying to measure the monetary value or measure the relationship value instead of just letting what drives our Christmas giving is true love, true love for people and expression. And it doesn't have to be big, even though the commercials at the jewelry store say it does. It can just be an expression of your love. So giving gifts for our benefit or gifts for the benefit of others. And last, is gifts not always have to be monetary. Jesus did not say, I came to give you money. Abundant money. Came to give us life far better than money. The last thing is purpose. Listen, this is so good. Out of Christ, the fruit of Christmas is purpose. A greater purpose than our efforts of holiday goodwill. I can't knock people if that's all they have. But if you're a follower of Christ, you've got something so much greater. You've got true goodwill. You've got true peace. You've got true joy. You've got true love. Don't cash that in for the world's chaos and Christmas. And in that purpose, in that purpose, not only did he give, but he forgave. I don't know about you. But when I sit down and I think about Christmas and I think about Christ and I think about his love and I think how good it is, how good it is to be forgiven. Now listen, if you're a follower of Christ, you know what that is. And I want to tell you something because I felt like the Lord wanted this to be a part of this message You have that gift of forgiveness that you can give someone. Someone has hurt you. They have wronged you. They have abused you. And forgiveness isn't justifying what they've done wrong. Forgiveness is saying, I will not hold you personally accountable. I will leave that and trust God with that. And allow that heart to say, I forgive you. If we get that fruit of God's forgiveness in our heart at Christmas, it will change relationships. There's no question that this is a stressful time. There's no question that getting together with family and having that weird relative or that ex or whatever at this engagement that you're going to is going to be hard. 
But if you can walk in there filled with God, His love, His peace and joy, and extend forgiveness. On the other hand, some of you have done wrong to someone, and you deep in your heart just wish there could be a moment this Christmas where someone would enter into your life and say, I forgive you. And the pain and the weight of Christmas's past would just fly away. And you would have such joy. But your hand is held in the fate of those willing to come and to offer what Jesus did. Forgiveness. His coming to us in a greater purpose was obedience to God. And our response is simply to have a relationship with Him, to go to Him, to worship Him. Today, as we close this service, we have an opportunity for that. I want to give you a video here in a moment. I found this song that it was interesting enough, just right along the lines of this message. And I had some great help putting this together. But I'd like you to just sit and just hear the message of this song. At our campuses, if our campus pastors after this song will come up and lead your campus in closing, I think that that would be, according to God's leading, the best thing to do. So listen to this message, and I'll come up and close this part of this service.
For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. To end this crazy day with a silence. My heart just wants to worship God. I've asked Tom if he would just lead us. Tom, let's let our voices, just our voices, sing with us, O come, let us adore him. And then Tom will lead us in a time of worship. You can respond by going and recognizing Christ in communion. Jesus said, as you take this to remember him, if you're here today and you're struggling in your heart, there's issues that you just can't get through. We have people that will offer prayer to you. If there's a relationship or an issue that is struggling, the act of lighting a candle is not a religious thing. It is an act of faith. It is a prayer saying, God, you be the light as you were to the wise men, to these people that I lift up before you this night. All in all, it's about this, is responding to the word and the light of this Christmas. The question is, do you want a temporary Christmas, peace, joy, and love, or a lasting? It's up to you. Let's stand and sing, Oh, come let us adore him. And then Tom will lead us into a worship. And during this song, just stay where you're at. Just sing with your voice, and then Tom will lead us from there.